Thank you for listening to the sermons here at Ascension Lutheran Church. Our worship services happen on Sunday mornings. 8.30 is our traditional worship service, and 10.30 is our contemporary worship service. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. You can visit us also on our website at www.alcrpv.org. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask that you come into this place and give us your peace and your light and your hope. Lord, we ask that you invade this space with your Holy Spirit. I pray that the words that I speak will not be mine, but yours. I pray that you will send down streams of mercy into each one of us. Open and prepare our hearts for the words that you have spoken. Chisel out eyes and ears from our granite heads so that we might be found in you and with you. Lord, we give you this time, we give you this place, we give you this space. Take it and make it yours. Let there be less of me and more of you. Amen. Amen. Reformation Sunday, it's the day that everyone figures out that my shoes match the church color because red shoes are not something you just randomly put on your feet, especially with gold brackets. When I came to Ascension from Christ the King, I made a commitment to have my shoes always match the church calendar, and I like to call it my pastor mullet, party on the bottom, business on top. And so um, having fun with all of that, And we are here on a red Sunday celebrating the Reformation. We are in the midst of the fruits of the Spirit talking about faithfulness. And there is an intent between for why Marco and Townsend and myself put faithfulness in this time when we're talking about Martin Luther and the Reformation. This man, um, the story that we're going to see, is a story of faithfulness of a man who was convicted by the Holy Spirit to do something, and despite everything, continued to keep his eyes set on what God had for him and walk forward. So why are we celebrating Reformation Sunday today? Well, on October 31st, 1517, Martin Luther walked up to the door of Wittenberg Church, and he nailed 95 theses up to the door. And that may sound very dramatic to all of you, because if you were to come to church and there were 95 theses nailed to the door, you'd think, wow, this is a crazy day. But the church in Wittenberg, the doors of the churches, would have been the bulletin board for the community. You know, birthday party, baptism, announcement of the city council, that's what it was used for. So Luther thought, I'm going to tell the people and try to start a conversation with the Catholic church. I'm going to start and tell them about some things that I see. Well, what do they see? First of all, inside of Luther, there's an incredible struggle that he had dealt with his whole life. Luther constantly felt the weight of his sin. He understood how broken and how deep in sin he was, and he was always searching for some relief from this weight of sin. So he would go and he became a monk and he would, in his monk, he would go to the um, priest and he would confess his sins and he would spend hours every day confessing his sins. 
He wanted to make sure he got everyone listed. And the priests then would tell him, okay, for that, you go out and do this many prayers, this many Hail Marys, this many Our Fathers, and continue to do that. And Luther goes out and does that and realizes he's not any freer from his sin and goes back in and confesses more, and he's trying so hard to feel free of his sin to the point where I think the priest got sick of him and said, okay, we need someone to go to Rome to represent us in Rome. Let's send Luther. It'll take him like a year and a half to get there and come back, and we won't have to listen to his confession. Well, he goes to Rome. I know. This is, I, this is the Scott version of the story. He shows up in Rome, and he goes, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to be free of this weight of sin. And so um, he goes to the Vatican, and he prays on every step up and says an Our Father. He goes to the relics, and he touches the relics and tries to be free of his sin. He's doing everything he can to be free of his sin. That's the Luther side. At the same time, there's these things called indulgences being sold. You might have heard of these if you were ever in history class and talking about the Protestant Reformation. What are indulgences? Well, indulgences are the Catholic, um, in the 1500s, version of fundraising. It is very helpful and easy to sell forgiveness of sins. At this point in the Catholic Church, it is as corrupt as it goes. Not the case today, but back then, wow, it was a bad place to be. And what they did was they would say, okay, grandma who has died, she has for her sin 400,000 years in purgatory. And you think, 400,000 years? That is a lot of time. Grandma didn't seem that bad. But that's a long time to be in purgatory. And they say, for $1,000, I can knock off 100,000 years of purgatory. You go, wow. That's a pretty good deal. right? 100,000 years, $1,000. Oh, okay, I could do that. Here's $1,000. You get a certificate on indulgence. 100,000 years, grandma's time of purgatory. Oh, this is great. But now here's the catch. What about Aunt Betty? Oh, Aunt Betty wasn't as good as grandma. Aunt Betty has 500,000 years. Are you going to let Aunt Betty suffer in purgatory for 500,000 years? Well, no. $1,000. So there was a great phrase that a man who was an indulgent seller named Johann Tetzel said, a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. And all of the cathedrals we see in Europe, not all of them, but many are built on this kind of idea. The money raised. So, Luther, guilt-ridden, struggling with sin, not sure what to do. He's a New Testament, I'm sorry, he's an Old Testament scholar, and he starts flipping through and reading the Word of God. And as he reads the Word of God, he starts to realize that this word indulgence, this idea of sin and shame are found there, but Christ has done the work necessary in order for him to be saved. And so um, we have a movie that came out in 2003 of Luther. Ralph Fiennes was Luther. And he goes to look at his sin. And one of his friends, oh, let me put this as the background. One of his friends says, Martin, what is it you seek? And Luther says, a merciful God a God whom I can love, a God who loves me. And he says, then look to Christ, bind yourself to Christ, and you will know God's love. Say to him, I am yours, save me. And Luther says, I am yours, save me. I am yours, save me. 
I am yours, save me. This is, of course, from Psalm 119, 94. I am yours, save me, for I have sought your precepts. Luther, in reading God's word, realizes it's not about his work. It's about Jesus' work. He can't forgive himself. There are no amount of Hail Marys he can do, no amount of relics he can touch, no amount of things he can do to free himself. Jesus has done all the work. He stumbles upon a verse in um, the book of Ephesians where it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And a light bulb goes off in Luther's brain. And he goes, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's not about the sin that I do, it's about what God has done for me. All I do is contribute the brokenness and the sin, and God forgives me. And so he goes, ah, I'm going to tell the church about this. I'm going to write 95 theses, I'm going to nail them to the door of the Wittenberg church, and I'm going to tell them, and once they understand it's about Jesus, they'll all go, oh, certainly, that's right. And this was a little naive of Luther, because he didn't realize how much money they were making, but at the same time, the Catholic church is distracted in the south with the Turks trying to invade. He nails this up, and you know what's been invented not that long ago? The printing press. The printing press was the internet before the internet was the internet. And the printing press took this and it went viral. The first thing to go viral are Martin Luther's 95 theses and everyone's reading them. And everyone's going, whoa, look at this. This is what it can mean. This is what we should be talking about. This is what salvation is. And this culture that has been pushed down and taught that indulgences and the way of sin is to pay enough money or to do enough good works realizes it's through Jesus. And the Catholic Church just can't, they're too distracted, they can't get up to kill Luther in time. He's not the first. There's been others, okay? Wycliffe was one before him. There's been others who say these things, but they just can't stop Luther. And by the time it spreads so far, they don't really have a choice. It's too big. They can't put the toothpaste back in the tube anymore. It's out. And so Luther goes and he stands before at the Diet of Worms. They guarantee him safe passage to the Diet of Worms. Safe passage there. Worms is a city, by the way, not a bed of worms. But gets there, and it's called the Diet of Worms, which is also really, it's easy to remember, but it's, it's a gross image. So he shows up. They have his books on a table, and they say, deny all of this, and you can be in fellowship again with the Catholic Church. And then this is the line that if you watch the Luther movie, if you read anything about Luther, um, you may have heard he's famous for. He says, here I stand. I can do no other. So help me, God. Amen. I've said what I've said. It's out there. I have to do it because it's right. And so begins the Protestant Reformation. And so begins a group of people who are saying, we stand on the word of God alone. We preach Jesus alone. And out of Luther comes Lutheranism. And he would, by the way, hate the name that we call ourselves Lutherans, just FYI. Um, out of that comes Lutheranism. And then we have Presbyterians. And we have Reformed. And we have John Wycliffe with the Methodists. And we have um, Evangelicals. I mean, all of this starts when Martin Luther sets this out and says, it's about Jesus. It's about what he has done. And that was 500 years ago. 
And what's crazy, but also makes a lot of sense, the battle that Luther fought, we still fight today inside each one of us. Because the battle that Luther fought against believing that he was the center of salvation and if he did enough, he could finally be saved is I think a battle that many of us fight to this day. We work really hard to try to please God. We try to do enough and we try to say enough and and give enough and, and do the right things and then God will finally be satisfied with us. And that 500-year-old, that 2,000-year-old, in fact, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, that battle is the light that the gospel is sending out of the darkness, of the works righteousness, of the work that we do. In preparing for today, I, I stumbled across something I hadn't seen before. Maybe you've seen it before, but I had never. And it is... The work of these two artists, Sun Yun and Pen Yu, they're from China, and they, about 20-some years of pretty controversial art, really interesting um, things, but in 2017, they did a work of art at the Dudenheim, and it is a robot, that is a robot hand, and they made this robot to have a lot of personality. He has, I think, 37 different moves where he kind of dances, and you can see him right here, kind of moving around and doing different work, and it looks like he's alive. They filled him with personality and life, and he's going around. And, and this robot, though, the robot had one job. You'll notice that on the floor, there's a bunch of red hydraulic oil. And the robot had sensors in him And there was a boundary of how far that hydraulic oil was allowed to go. And his job was to push the hydraulic oil back into himself so that he had enough hydraulic oil so that he could continue to live. And so this robot was constantly going around the perimeter and making sure that the hydraulic oil stayed in its place. And so this is what he's programmed to do to grab and draw the oil back into himself so he has enough oil in his system to continue to live. And you know, the first year, he was really good at it. He was really good at being able to sense where the oil was and the room was pretty white and pretty clean and he would pull it in and he had enough time to dance and to do all the moves you saw earlier and to express all that personality. But by year two, he got pretty tired his joints got a little creaky. He wasn't as fat, fast as bringing the oil in. Some of his sensors got a little um, tired and couldn't see exactly where the oil was. And so he spent a lot more time pulling oil into himself and a lot less time moving. And by the third year, he just couldn't do it anymore. He was losing the battle. And those walls that are still pretty white were covered with red hydraulic oil. And he was trying desperately to keep the oil inside of himself. And he just couldn't do it. And finally, after three years, the artist went in and unplugged him. And if you want to see more about the robot, you can search the world's saddest robot. And this is the stuff that comes up. As I was watching this this week, I couldn't help but think far too many of us relate to this robot. 
We spend our lives trying to do enough, keep our perimeter clean, keep everything in, keep all the appointments going, keep enough good words, give enough money, spend enough time with our kids, spend enough time with our work, spend enough time keeping our house clean, spend enough time doing all of these things, and it is exhausting. And we think, if I just do this, then I'll be good. If I do just do this, that weight of me messing up, the weight of sin, the weight of all of those things will finally be free from me. But I think we, like the robot, find that we don't have enough in us. It's just too much. And it's tiring. And it's exhausting. And we lose, and we lose, and we lose, and we're like Luther, and we look to God and say, when do I get any break When do I get any rest? Don't you want to tell the robot it's okay to stop? It's going to be okay. And we can't. But the good news of the gospel is that we sit here, and I have the privilege of telling you today, you can stop. You can stop working so hard. Jesus has done all the work necessary for you. Jesus has taken all of the red and brought it in and by his blood spilled out for you has given you the ability to be free, to be called a son or a daughter. You can rest. You can stop trying so hard and you can start to breathe. Because Jesus went to the cross in your place to do all the work of bringing it in, and it's done. It's clean, it's ready, it's finished. Trust him. Believe him. When you feel and you relate to that robot, I think what's so sad is each one of us watches that, and don't we feel like that during our week? Don't we feel like we're just not keeping it all together? The good news of the gospel is that God never expected you to be able to do that. He did it for you. You are free. You can rest. You are forgiven. You are his child. And then you get the privilege of going out and telling other people who are frantically keeping the oil in like the robot, I want to tell you about freedom. I want to tell you that you can stop. I want to tell you that you can have a breath because I know a God who loves you and I know a God who's done all the work for you. This is the good news of the gospel. This is what Luther proclaimed out to the world and this is what he realized in himself. He realized that he was pulling, pulling, pulling and it never was enough. But Jesus is enough. And he said, wow, if I can just tell the world this good news, they will get it and they'll be able to be free. And for 500 years, this news, for thousands of years, this news, for since the beginning of history, this news has come up against our persistent will to be in charge, our persistent will to be the one who does enough and just let God break through and tell you he is enough. You can rest. The robot 
had no hope because it didn't have a savior. The robot just had an end when it got unplugged. But we have hope because one who has come, who has done all the work, has sealed all of the leaks and has called you his child, offers today at this table, offers full forgiveness, grace, and love. And so let us be the ones who tell people they can rest and stop trying so hard and let Jesus do the work. Heavenly Father, we are absolutely amazed that you do this for us. We relate far too often with this robot. We are desperately trying to keep our lives in order. But Lord, we realize that we're not going to do it. And so Lord, as we go into this week, as we go into this week knowing that that we're once again going to fail, we ask that you give us grace. Lord, for people in this room who saw the picture and related far too much to that video, give us rest. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Lord, we pray for a world that desperately needs to hear this good news. A world that is torn apart by war, by pain, by suffering. Give them the privilege of hearing that you are God and there is no other. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Lord, we pray for all those in this world who are giving of themselves. We pray for our president and our Congress, our local mayor, our local leaders, our local city councils, that you grant them wisdom to do decisions, what's best for the people they lead. Lord, we pray for those who serve our military forces stationed here and deployed abroad. We pray for firefighters and police officers. We pray for teachers and school administrators. We pray for doctors and nurses. Steady their hands, protect their hearts, bring them home safely. We pray for pastors and for missionaries. We pray for the ability to stand on the edge of the darkness and proclaim light and truth and love. Protect and guide. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Lord, we pray for Ascension Lutheran Church and for Christ Rock Methodist Church. As we have the privilege of being the good news tellers, the storytellers, the one who take this glorious gospel out to the world. Lord, enrich us. Give us courage. Give us strength. Let us use your words, your power to tell other people that they can rest in you. Lord, thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit, and thank you for giving us one another. Lord, we ask that you bless all churches throughout the earth, that they might be points of light, proclaiming the good news of the gospel as far and as wide as they can. We pray these things in the powerful name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.